0: Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So, today's episode is with one of our amazing clients, one of our members of Team SWF, which is our group of clients. So, myself and Claire worked together for a good while, and it was through a referral uh, from I think it's kind of like one of these two level referrals. So came from someone's sister and then their sister referred Claire on as their mates and stuff like that so I think it's amazing to have seen the three individuals who have who we've helped and who I've helped and stuff like that with their with their with their their goals or whatever it may be but Claire's journey is is very different um so with Claire I we talk about why she got in touch we talk about what was the biggest win for her the importance of her family, the importance of taking a step back, the importance of the tool that we did and Dallas taught her through anchoring. I'll never forget that phone call that we talk about in a sec. We talk about talking things through, the importance of swimming and that escapism for her, the differences in stories, the difference in beliefs, the validation, the importance of sleep, the factory opinion, through going through perimenopause, people-pleasing, I'm moving away from others' opinions and realizing and being grateful for what is is currently there. It's like it's a massive, massive kind of mindset episode and shift. So I want to congratulate Claire on the effort that was put in, the trust that was put into us. and It's a very different episode uh, compared to everyone's journey is completely different that works with us um and i, but I think this one in particular is definitely at home because there was different points and it was it was one of those that patience was definitely uh, was definitely needed on claire's side so i thank you again to dallas for his help on the uh with uh with claire and claire thank you for very much for doing this episode so guys before I go into it, we have a few slots open for coaching uh with our with our one-to-one coaching. So if you are interested in working with us, please do reach out, DM us, and we can book in a consultation call. The consultation call is free. Um, but it will be there's a form and stuff like that to fill in. So if you are interested in working with us, please do pop us a message. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with Claire. Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Walsh podcast. So today's guest is a client so one of our amazing clients claire has had an incredible journey claire has been with me for a a while now is as officially graduate graduated um and this journey is more than i think either of us ever expected when we kind of joined forces um and it's been amazing to watch and i have to give credit to dallas one of the coaches as well who kind of Uh, helped out a little bit in relation to, which we're going to talk about in a sec. But Claire, thank you for doing this.
1: Thank you. Happy to.
0: Uh, So Claire, I'm going to let you tell us and tell me um, why you reached out to ourselves and how it kind of came about and what you were looking for when you first came in.
1: I was recommended you from a very dear friend who you had worked with and you had worked wonders with her around food and her life and as I said to you, we called you the Guru. And so my initial reason for coming was with this friend. I had gone for years to swimming clubs, years to the gym, and I'd always worked really, really hard at everything in my life, and generally achieved everything I'd set out to do. But food was always the the bone of my contention that. No matter how hard I worked, my body shape wasn't changing and I had this all down to food. And if I could just in my head, if I could solve my eating, then I would be thin and my life would just be perfect. And you were going to sort this. And that's why I came to you. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. No. But that was just the key. That was the final key in my life as I saw them. And as you said before, the journey we went on was totally and utterly completely different and very unexpected, but so worth it. It's changed my life, really.
0: When you say that you thought that by say so-called inverted commas being teen was going to like sort your life or make you happy or whatever like that, has your perspective completely changed or have you got advice to anyone who's potentially in that headspace?
1: Oh my perspective's completely changed. Um my as you say, my body shape is the least interesting thing about me. And it is. Like my my friends are my friends, whether I'm fat or thin. I'm not fat, like yeah, I know. Well, I do listen to you a lot. Um and it really makes like my body shape really it doesn't stop me doing anything. It doesn't um like it's not relevant. It's I said to you that I had realized the other day that your soul is who you are and who that's what you are. And your body is a vessel to carry your soul. And yes, you want that vessel to go strong. So you should give it good nutrition and feed it well and look after it well. But it does not define in the slightest who you are. It's your health really is your body. But your quality of life and your quality of relationships is not affected really your body shape's got nothing to do with it do
0: you think that's had a knock-on effect to how you kind of relate to or kind of deal with food and stuff like that with your kids and stuff like that as well now
1: yeah um definitely i like i think from childhood and i think we all a lot of us grew up that are my age that you when something happens with children like an emotional response is to give them food to make it better to comfort them. If they're sad, you give them food. If you get if they're happy and well done, here's food. But now, kind of like if they're if they're sad about something, like it's far more important to actually talk about what they're sad about or the situation that happened. And if they're happy, celebrate the event that they did or what's making them happy, rather than your first response being food, especially when they're sad. Because then you're like, you're just getting into comfort eating. There's so many times I would realize that as an emotional response, I would delve into crisps and I wouldn't even be enjoying the crisps because I was feeding the emotion and I don't want to pass that on to my children. So it's, if they're upset or sad about something, talk about it. Like, what are you, and it can be really uncomfortable for both of you, but I don't want to pass on to them lessons that I taught, that I habits, that I got into and misguided treatments to responses.
0: It's interesting the, the awareness that that has brought and the awareness you have brought to the kids and stuff like that about kind of like reward and kind of like taking away foods if they're misbehaved or whatever. I think everyone, you can catch yourself doing that the odd time. Like I think, like I've seen my mates with kids do it, and I've even done it with my own godson, he's only like two, but to take food away from him is I, I value my life too much. Um yeah. I've genuinely value my life too much. Like you talk about that this journey was very different to what you thought it was gonna be. Yeah. Um can you expand on that and share as much as you want, or don't share as much as you want?
1: I can. Uh First off, I have to, i admit, you have to take credit a lot, but I also have to thank Dallas because he was an integral key player in the change. But my story is that when I was five years old, my parents died and I had moved to live with my aunt and uncle and there was not a happy, family. It was not a happy time for me whatsoever. And I left when I was 16. So I was homeless for a couple of years. And then at 18, I got a job and was able to get my own house. And I kind of decided that 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 was just going to be a past that I was starting my life at 18. And that that was all going to be that never happened to me. And when I would talk about it, I really would tell it like it was a story. And I would also, at the time, I would be more concerned about how the other people were responding because people would find that quite, like, if you met me, you wouldn't know, if you didn't know it, it's quite a lot to say to people. So I'd be like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. I was only five years old when they died. Like, you don't know it. Like, it's, don't worry about it, like, and pass it over. And so then, my life then my life did like I did a lot in life and I had a lot of really good friends traveled the world met a man came over to a lovely husband came over to Ireland and had three children uh, who I still have and we have a very nice life I have a really good job but what then happened was I was just, I was always so busy. I was always loading up my basket to do more and more and more and more. And this leads up to when I came to you that at the time when I came to you, I was had started perimenopause. So I was going through that. I was building a house, selling a house, doing a degree, swimming every day, three kids, one who has additional needs and I'm doing a degree as well. And I just, and I wasn't sleeping I think I was sleeping maybe three hours a night four hours on a good night Um, and I couldn't cope with life I was like a frantic running around loading and load more onto my plate if I had a problem I would just add more onto it rather than dealing with any problem and I really was frantic there were mornings when I know you got voice messages from me and I would be like I didn't take a breath so that's when I came to you and um, as I say that my past I really avoided it It was really not I I never talked about it I thought I talked about it all the time I thought that people got sick of hearing about it but there was people that didn't know that I had parents that passed like they knew nothing about me because I really never talked about it to people
0: I think you spoke about it, but I don't think it was, I think, as you said, I think it was a story.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't think you like openly spoken about it, which was amazing, but I don't think it was like a processing story or had been processed yet, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, it does make sense.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about Dallas and that our 45 minute call that we had?
1: Yeah. So witnessed on it. You witnessed on it. You're like the nodding dog in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Um, So Dallas, you brought in to you kept trying to give me tools, which I would accept and try, but I would never kind of follow them through. I would never give them and commit to them. Yeah. And there was something holding me back. And I think we kept trying to go there. But at the time I thought, I was like, I have no idea. I'm trying, I'm doing it. Like I'm doing it to the best I can. But there was something that was stopping me and holding me back. And like, we didn't know what it was. And so you bought Dallas and I'm not using all the correct terminology here. Is it CBT?
0: It was using C- an anchoring was the, word, anchoring. The, te- the technique. that So
1: used. Dallas was doing anchoring with me. And I remember I was so nervous. Like I... I just thought I was going to cry the whole time, which I is like my worst. At the time, I thought that was the worst thing to do, because that to me was a sign of weakness to cry all the time. And what would he think of me and all this? Like, I just I was so nervous before it and I was reassured that you were going to be there. But I was very nervous. And so Dallas got sat me down. Well, we were on Zoom and he sat me down and got me to breathe. and I was doing it but still there was something holding me back and holding me back and then he was talking about an anchor going into the water and my first apart from my children my husband (laughs) my one love of my life is cold water swimming and the lake is my meditation and I know the bottom of that lake from swimming up and down it so well and when he was talking about the anchor, I could picture underneath the lake and the anchor was going down and he took this took me to a place that a situation that happened in my childhood that if we had sat for hours and hours and hours, I would not have been able to go back there because I didn't even remember it happened. But this moment in time, and as I mentioned when my parents died, Within two years after that, all three grandparents died. So I had a lot of death in a very short time. And it was at my granddad's funeral. um, A scenario with my cousins, a conversation, a two minute, not even two minutes. It must have been a 30 second conversation. And he went back there. Well, I went back there immediately once I was relaxed and once I was willing to. And this was the key to everything that was holding me back was the message, the conversation between me and my cousins and identifying that was huge. Like, identifying that as a child, that's how I'd felt. And you had often, some of your tools were to go back to you as a child, like me, and I wouldn't do it. I refused to bring me as a child in. And ever since then, I've been able to go back to me as a child. And it was... It was like how Dallas did it. I know you saw, I know it has tools, but it was amazing that he took me back there. He knows nothing about me, but was able to keep me going. And it was like when I saw that, replayed that scenario in my head when I was on the phone, that I could feel something was lifted. I could feel it was like a key was unlocked. Like this happened and it was all very traumatic and you felt these feelings and they're real and they're validated. And it's fine for me to say that. It's fine for me to say that I went through that and I did feel this way. And the trauma put upon a child was not good and it was not dealt with good. Um, so that with Dallas was just life changing. And like I can never thank him enough because like you saw it, but the person that came in, and onto that call, there was a very different person that walked out at the end of it that I wouldn't have known about. I wouldn't have ever been able to tell anybody that that was what the key to all was.
0: I think, I think having brought Dallas in, like I think we were about to wear going in that there was some element of like we knew there was trauma somewhere along the line. Uh, it was we didn't know necessarily it was that conversation to bring you to that point. But I remember like w- during the conversation, it was like trying to get you to breathe. And I remember at the first breathing was really, really tight and really, really awkward for you. But yeah. then you were kind of like, no, Dallas kind of calmed you down and you kind of went with it and you were, you were willing to listen. I think you were at the point where you're like, I have to try something. Yeah. Um, like uh, we, we tried loads of different tools. There was tools being used for a little bit, and then they'd be put to the side, which means they weren't for you. Um, but there was things that we were kind of doing along the way of kind of like talking to your inner child. And would you be happy with the way you're talking to your, 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 your kids, the way they are right now or whatever it may be. But I think witnessing it, like I just, I sat there in silence. Like I I remember sitting there and uh, I muted. I was just kind of watching this. I was like, this is some sort of voodoo. I don't know what, yeah. what is going on, but like, I remember just sitting there, it's kind of like this is like it was a proverbial weight just lifted. And you could you, you could I I don't think Dallas has appreciated what he has achieved either and helped.
1: Yeah, um,
0: and I don't think I I know now you're being a lot more reflective. You start talking about like stories, but one of the things that you said there was about validation and the importance of doing that. Because that seems to be coming up an awful lot more now, is like the importance of self-validation rather than relying on it from other people. Can you talk about that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, um, I've realized now, I I now have long COVID, so I have now been at home for three months, um, and I've realized a lot of things that I was doing that you would be doing it for other people's approval. You would be doing it for now. Maybe you're. Maybe my reasons beforehand were fine. Were good. But a lot of it is looking for other people's approval and putting it on social media. Like, why are you putting it on social media? If you're doing it for you, like, there's one thing sharing with your friends, but is it for likes? Is it for people to, you know, and I remember um, I had won the swim race, remember, during the summer. And this photo went up and I was devastated because I thought I looked fat in the photo. And that ruined the whole achievement that I had done Whereas before, before like, 10 minutes before, when I had won this whole summer of swimming, this huge, this big, for me, it was huge. I had felt fantastic. So it was that one photo and therefore does it matter what other people think because I was doing it for me and I had won. So why am I bothered what other people think? And I think you kind of have to question why you do things like, you do things for you to make for your own purpose, not for other people's approval, because they don't, they don't know you. And they look at that photo and they maybe click a like, but they're then going to the next thing. They swipe on to the next like. And it shouldn't be other people's approval shouldn't matter so much. And it can really make or break your day. And you know, teenagers nowadays growing up. Every, their life is everything by other people's approval. It's all on social media. And it's how you feel like, how does it enhance your life? Is it good for you? Is it for you? Or, you know, you should do it for you and really wonder why you're doing things. And is it going to be not like everybody does things, like, you don't have to be in any meaning to everything. But I don't have to do things for what other people think. If I want to do it, do it and I don't need to seek other people's approval and you don't need to justify what you do as well. Really?
0: So A simple no is. Yeah. Is you don't need to justify your actions either. I think I read something recently about kind of like the, the kind of the people pleasing all that kind of stuff. People pleasing can be a very like lonely place because yeah. you're serving everyone else. You're pleasing everyone else, but you're actually not serving the most important person. Yeah. Whether you've, Feel it or not, you're the most important person. You can't serve everyone else and serve yourself at the same time. It's just not possible. And I think it, it, ha- it it's it's more common than people actually realize. Um, I think
1: before uh, my like before I got sick, or before I kind of really started working with you after Dallas, like I was involved in everything. If somebody wanted you to do something, I did it, and I was so involved in everything, and. I think I kind of thought I had to be part of everything to have a big life and have all these friends. Whereas now for three months, I've hardly seen anybody because I've been sick. And these people are still my friends. Like they contact me. They're they're fantastic friends. And that's also made me realize that like I don't have to be doing everything. I don't have to be organizing everything. I don't have to be involved in all this stuff. Like your people are your people and they like you for you. So that was a huge thing for me as well, that you don't have to, you know, you're looking for self-validation and that people are going to like you for your actions or the way you look. They don't because at the day they remember how you make them feel, not what you did or what you achieved or what you have.
0: Yeah, it's about appreciating being present. I know it's, it sounds a bit wishy-washy and people probably say it's easier said than done, but it's one of those things when you actually appreciate what you have and not needing more because more yeah. isn't going to give you anything like more money is not going to give you anything. It may give you more freedom, but it also means you're paying more VAT. that. So you're, you're, you're giving yeah. one hand and taking it with the other. Like it's, it's where well, you're pay, paying more tax or whatever it is. Um, You talk about there about to be like a little while ago, kind of like perimenopause and stuff like that. How, how big of a difference was it for you knowing how to work with it and actually going to, to kind of like talk to someone about it because and kind of like talking to the doctor or whatever it was for yourself in relationships. It's kind of like they weren't going. I think you've used those words, not going crazy.
1: Yeah. Crazy is my word, not your word. Um, I had no idea at all that I was going through perimenopause. menopause. I actually thought I was losing the plot. And as I said, there was two nights I did not sleep in the slightest. I stayed up for two nights and I really I wasn't able to cope with life. I was able to cope with nothing. Uh, I had no idea what was going wrong with me. Everything on paper seemed my life was wonderful especially from where I had come from. Like I had no real big problems in my life. So why couldn't I cope with life? And then when I went to the doctor, uh, because nobody talks about perimenopause. Well, they do now. When you get there, you find that people talk about it, but preparing for it, like talking to people when they're younger, it doesn't happen. And so when it creeps up on you and you start talking to it, people like, oh yeah, that happened to me, that happened to me. But it would be wonderful if younger people knew it was going to happen so they could prepare for it and be aware of it. Um, It really affected me. It made me feel, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel like I looked good. I didn't feel like um, a woman anymore. I just felt awful and the lack of sleep, which is, As you said, constantly, you cannot cope without sleep. That was the first thing we tried to sort. Um, You cannot cope with life if you don't sleep, like nothing. You just can't. So going to the doctor, I went down the vitamin route. There's many options. I went down the vitamins. And even just having a name, this is what I'm going through. And understanding there was a reason why helped massively. Um, And it is very, it is some people go through it no problem some people get a lot of symptoms from it but knowing what it is and apparently it's going to end at some point that made yeah. a massive difference
0: yeah but i, I think i compare kind of perimenopause like the second puberty yeah uh if you think about puberty like when you're more awkward, just want to sit in your room and like just don't want to do a whole lot it's basically a second that's what basic perimenopause is and yeah as you said like different women will get different strains of it some will get it like they won't have any impacts on mood or energy or whatever it may be and i've seen it with people who and women that um Say women who have struggled, um, and then those who don't struggle at all. But I think knowing that, as you said, I think there does need to be an awareness, and there's a little bit more an awareness out there. But I think that's still amongst the like late thirties into forties when it's about to happen. Yeah, it's not. I went it's- to
1: a menopause hub thing at, at information uh, locally, and I was the youngest person there. Do you know? So, like, people are not aware of it to prepare for it. It's once you get there you're like I need help but I really think it's and even do you know things like the environment now that we live in the food we live we eat all affects as compared to what our mothers had to go through so they'll often be like well I just breeze through it but life was different then and there's so much more put on mothers now that you have to be for your children we all work full time you know there's so much more to cope with and then menopause perimenopause just can throw your life upside down
0: yeah and I, and I think that people need to know there is like support so like if anyone's listening to this and they're going through it is first of all go and talk to your doctor get your hormone screen to see exactly what's going on and then discuss hrt if it is a solution like the research that was done on breast cancer and the link to that is from the 90s and that's a long time ago mm-hmm. last time i checked so like Talk to doctors. They'll be able to talk to it. And if there is breast cancer in the family, there is a substitute for it so that can be done if it needs be. If you're struggling mentally, there's options there. Go on CBT There's tablets that you could go on if you if you need it as well. Like it, it can seem like an awful lot, but I think once you get the the, the hormone symptoms can kind of actually looked at because that's exactly what it is is a hormone disorder basically. Um, it does become a hell of a lot easier to yeah. to manage, and you feel like yourself, and those around you feel like yourself. For, like they've got their, their 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 mom back if you know what I mean you mentioned there every time you mentioned the words uh swimming or the the waters like a smile comes onto your face can you tell me like how important that has been for yourself that's kind of been your safe haven during like the weird two years that we've lived in and why it's still like your go-to for your kind of meditation uh well
1: I live. Eight minutes from a lake and I go every day. Um, I was swimming before. Now I'm just dipping. Um, And for me, if you can find that natural reset that every day you have, if you can find anything, then you're lucky. Every day I go to the lake, I feel I'm blessed that I have found this. Um, There's just some, the lake always heals. That's what we always say. She always heals you. And you can think and think and think, but then you get into the water and the calm comes and it just resets your body. The community that I have from it is amazing. There's all different people from all walks of life and you're all there with the same goal. And it's for yourself. It's for your own. Everybody's experience is different in the water. And even when it's freezing cold. There's just something about it that resets your body. And even the strength that you have to have to breathe through that, the cold when it's on your body and the ice, like you're finding your inner soul and your inner strength comes through. And I feel very safe in the water, which I am very fortunate about. I know a lot of people don't, but it's uh, there's days when you would, I know you would get voice calls from me and I would be absolutely frantic at stupid o'clock in the morning. And then half an hour later, I would be out in the water and there's a calmness over me. And like things would come to like in the lake when you've got nothing else there, but the birds and the fish and the water. It just brings everything back down to life and back. It makes everything basic. You know, the rest of the world isn't there. And you can often find I suppose you have to be quiet because you're in the water. Yeah. And it would be like my meditation. I would just stop thinking. And often things would come to me and my brain would be calm. And that's how I found it. And the lake, like dipping, just it's my, if that was taken away from me, that would be very hard because I find such sanctuary in it. And it's not dependent on other people. It's not, it, it's just even in the rain, I can go. and. Every experience is different, but the feeling is the same inside that you just I just find a calmness about it. And and I truly love it. I truly. And the people that I've met are. Amazing. You know, they all are. I think a lot of people that go dipping have Well, everyone has their issues and the lake is their sanctuary. And it's just it's such a wonderful place with a wonderful community. and. I would recommend to anybody, if you've thought about wanting to do it, do it. Find somebody to do it with. Um, but it really is, I feel blessed to say that I've ever discovered it because it's done so much for me. And it's like my own therapy and my own, and I can go at any time. And now my children go with me. Uh, my 10-year-old got in the water about two weeks ago. I didn't think she was going to get in because it was freezing, but she was determined to get in. And I do feel like I inspired her to do that. She wants to do it because I do it. And I think that's brilliant that we can do that together. So it's a good, healthy vice to have.
0: Yeah. And I've seen, like you said, it was the nights that you hadn't slept was where the the panicky voice notes would come up the next day, yeah, or the next morning, and then like, an hour later, an hour and a half later, when you had done your swim, it was like, just calmed you and more serene. You were kind of like, how important was the sleep for you? Because three to four hours is not
1: a lot. No, sleep was massive. The sleep is the key. And you kept telling me it. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I admittedly was not sleeping, then getting up and drinking bucket loads of black coffee which was making me even worse I, I couldn't function and once I could sleep it just it makes you you're just calmer and you can just deal with things whereas when you've no sleep even the smallest thing you're starting off the day thinking I haven't slept all night before you've been worrying. I've not slept I've not slept I've not slept so like sleep heals your body and heals your mind and gets you ready for the next day. I've again seen that that the main symptom of my long COVID is sleep. That's all my body wants to do. So that's like just nature, is that's what your body wants to do, it sleeps. So getting my sleep sorted was huge. And the two I did have melatonin at first. Um, but putting your phone away, um, having no coffee and things well but my habits were quite good going to bed
0: it was when you woke up though it was when i woke up
1: yeah and i probably could have turned over and gone back to sleep but i didn't i jumped out of bed and drank coffee and went my phone rather than even relaxing and just lying there you know that's still resting your body but i wasn't doing that rather than being alone with my thoughts that's what i would do is just start going so Mm -hmm. the sleep I do, I think, in perimenopause, a lot of the problems is sleep, that pe- women don't sleep, and is a huge disability to be able to cope with your day because you can't, from the beginning of the day, you're running on low, and then you're just going to get lower and lower and lower until, and it affects everything. It affects your home life, affects even driving. You can't really drive properly if you're sleep deprived.
0: No. You can't, you can't really do anything. It's like, if yeah. you're not, if you're not sleeping, it's, I I kind of like compared it to like being drunk. Yeah. It's uh you're not functioning. If you look into like the upside down of a pint glass, that's essentially what it's kind of like going through without sleep. Like I know the days that I don't really sleep. I, I, I kind of have to scale things back a little bit, but generally the days I don't sleep is because of like routine slip. It's seldom, yeah. but it's when I've routine slip. Um, so I'm not perfect. So shock. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the sleep thing was a was a major thing for you. But as soon as the sleep kind of like got resolved, that's when the kind of like the change in your headspace. Yeah, uh, it's a
1: relief as well being able to sleep. Like there's such, there's nothing better than waking up from a good sleep. Do you know? I mean, it's lovely. Whereas. It I would wake up and be, oh, God, I'm awake. I've not slept. And be frantic, whereas to wake up and go, oh, that was a lovely sleep is such a a thing people take for granted. But when you can't sleep, it's a very vicious circle and a very, um, it affected a lot when I couldn't sleep, how I related to other people. I became very Paranoid, very things would pick That's one thing, that, you know. One tool I did use from the beginning was people would say things and I would take it so personally. And I can't remember what your phrase was, but I turned it into purple headed dinosaur that if they uh, per- uh, what's yeah, about it?
0: Uh, I think math. you said
1: a di- dishwasher, or, I can't remember. Purple that, dishwasher. Yeah. But I kind of said if they said to me, Oh, you're a purple-headed dinosaur, like it it means nothing. Whereas I would take what they said really, really seriously and reflect on myself and what oh, they're saying about this and I'm really bothered about it. What if it said to me? Oh, you're a purple-headed dinosaur. I go, all right, okay. So it really affected my relations with other people. And the other thing, though, what did help when I wasn't sleeping was fact or fiction. That if I... Yeah,
0: that was what I was going to bring up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that if something happened or I believe, perceived something to write a list of fact or fiction. What do I know and what am I perceiving to be? And that was a very good tool when I was unable to cope with life, when I wasn't sleeping and I was unable to see things for what they were, that I was putting so much fiction into every scenario, usually making it all about me. And there would be, and then you could, would see them from, situations completely differently once you do that and the fact column would have about two things and the fiction column would be like screeds and screeds
0: it's what it's i say it all the time when i give it to clients and they do use it it's like get them to write it out it's like there's literally nothing in the fact yeah
1: column. yeah nothing
0: um a lot of things but like as you said stories was the biggest thing or cool story bro as dallas always says um is is one of his big things like, i know you wanted to like the reason why you wanted to kind of like share your story today is because it was important for you to be able to like share your story, but also help someone realize that they're they're not alone, that they can actually go and get the support they want. They're, they're like, they're, they're, there is hope at the end of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, like, what's been the biggest takeaway for you, for yourself, not even through the process with us, but I mean, like just for yourself and self-discovery?
1: I think for me that I I was saying to you that like, it is my story. I had a traumatic childhood and that's fine. And I own that. And I don't, um, it was traumatic and you shouldn't be ashamed of, or not wanting to look for help that I think I used to think that people couldn't, deal with my story but it's, I couldn't deal with my story so these unresolved issues do last for a very long time and even if you think you've dealt with it and people may say oh you're so strong you're so strong it's fine to actually say no I'm not strong and I need help and that you can't really heal until you've acknowledged these things that happen to you and A lot of it in your child in your childhood, it's not your fault. Like you're just a child and you're at the mercy of the people the adults that are around you. And if the adults don't give you the tools to cope with it, then you have to find the tools in your adult life to be able then for your own personal happiness. And for me, I didn't want the cycle repeating myself. I didn't want me to pass on my lack of tools to my children. I didn't want them to be. The victims of what had happened to me, and it was me that had to deal with what happened to me, and that it's okay to say I had tra- I had trauma, and now I am dealing with it, and that's fine to say that you don't have to be great and successful and happy, and you know it's and there are people out there that have the tools that they can teach you, but you have to be willing to put in the work, and it can be very hard to be uncomfortable and quiet and to go through the feeling. But your life will be better for it, and you'll thank yourself for doing it.
0: Yeah, I think I think it, as stories was the, the the big thing that was holds many of us back. Nothing we yes. perceive is actually real. Thoughts are beliefs, beliefs are not normally facts, or emotions are generally where the truth is for an awful lot of people. And I think once you dealt, once you were willing to accept the emotion that I was feeling that's when that overwhelm, that kind of like resistance, kind of the ego almost dropped um, for yourself. And to
1: sit with it, to sit with, to be able to, I remember saying to you one day something happened, I was like, I actually just sat and said, I'm really sad. This feels really horrible. But that was huge for me just to say, this really sucks. You know, to sit with that uncomfortable feeling and to say, and recently um, I've moved house recently and there was a box of photos of my parents that I hadn't opened that box for 30 years. My children had never seen photos of my parents. And um, like I got the box out and I thoroughly enjoyed looking at it and thoroughly enjoyed showing them. And you could see how, how happy they were to be able to talk about my family that you don't realize what you're putting out in the world. You know, you think you're dealing with something, but you're not. You have to face these things and to allow yourself to have freedom in life.
0: It's making memories and having the impact on everyone else. Like it's it's not only yourself, but it's impacting on everyone else around you. So it's important for you to have the support for yourself. Yeah. And that that has an on awesome effect onto your kids.
1: Huge. Huge
0: and good. onto those around you. Um Claire, I cannot thank you enough for being so open, being so honest, being so uh open to things that we tried and didn't use and did use and so open to actually having that chat with with um with Dallas that forty five minutes Zoom call um I I it's hard very hard to explain it over this yeah. how how like almost like a different person came out after forty five minutes
1: yeah part of me got up and left almost like the it was it was it was almost yeah. like
0: the body was left here and something yeah. else moved over left. here
1: yeah. It was life changing. And thanks again to you, because you've been very patient with me and very consistent and always there. And thank you a lot to Dallas. And it is life changing. And I say what I came came to you for, I went a completely different journey, which has changed mine and my family's life.
0: You are very welcome. And I'm sure Dallas um, will say the same. I know it's it's, it's sometimes awkward for the Dallas and I to take compliments. (laughs) Uh, Something that we both work on. Uh, But I can't thank you enough for for everything. And I know I'm excited for you to kind of like your next chapter and stuff like that because, well, first of all, we need to rest and relax first and recover. And and I think the tools they have now have kind of allowed you to do that. Uh, Absolutely. So, Claire, thank you so much for for coming on. Thank
1: you.